Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 76 of our 120-day Upper Room prayer campaign, and today we're going to pray for wisdom. In the time of the early church, the church in Corinth was not a church moving in much wisdom. They were falling to temptations, compromising to sin, misusing the gifts of the Spirit, and misrepresenting the very character of Jesus. And so to this church, Paul writes a series of letters trying to correct these issues and cause them to walk in right wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Starting in verse 1, we read part of Paul's epistle to them where he exhorts them by saying, Moreover, brethren, I don't want that you should be ignorant, how that all of our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all did eat the same spiritual meat, and all did drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these were given for our example. You see, Paul was trying to teach something to this church by comparing them to the Israelites in the wilderness, of which he said these things that happened in the past in the Old Testament, they were given for our example that we might learn from them. He was pointing out to them that they all had the same minister. They all had the truth. They all had the word of God coming to them from Moses. They were all baptized into faith in that they had passed through the sea and they had seen the miraculous work of God moving to deliver them. They all had the same witness. They all had the same opportunity. Yet with many of them, God was unpleased because they did not abide in the faith that they were once given. God was no respecter of persons with them. They all had the same measure of grace and faith released to them that they might walk in obedience, but yet some of them did and some of them didn't. Paul was warning this church not to be like them that fell away because that they did nothing with the faith and the grace that they were given. In other words, they did not walk in wisdom. Paul continues to say, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were for our example, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they did. Neither be ye idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose early to play. In other words, putting other things before. Paul is making a witness of the things that caused them to fall to temptation and eventually fall away from their faith. In that some of them were idolaters. They did not move in wisdom because that they were not seeking the Lord. They put other things before the Lord. Therefore did they fall into temptations. Even Jesus told his own disciples in the garden of Gethsemane, can you not pray with me one hour? Pray lest you fall into temptation. Remember that Paul is saying here that they all had the same opportunity, yet some fell to temptation and some didn't. And Jesus makes it very clear that if we are not willing to abide, to 
pray to seek his face for the way of escape, then we will fall into temptation. And this is why some of them fell, because of idolatry, because they were playing and not praying. Paul continues to say, Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand open sin, immorality, sexual sin, that when you fall into it will steal your salvation because the word of God is very clear that no fornicator will have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter what you've professed or what you've prayed, you will be found on that day to be one of those who would say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, have we not done many things in your name? And he will say, depart from me, you are still working iniquity because that he laid it out in his word that we are not to do these things. There is always a way of escape from every temptation. Jesus paid the price to make it available to us, but we've got to be willing to humble ourselves and seek him that we might walk in proper wisdom that will cause us to understand both the severity of sin and the way of escape in every situation from it. He says, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. My friend, do not play games with God. He will not be mocked. Don't think that you can tempt Christ and come out on the other side of it all right. God is God and we are not. And he gives us the way of escape. We need to humble ourselves, seek his face, take it and do not play with it. If you play with temptation, you will fall into sin. If you play with sin, you will fall into damnation. My friend, it's time for a church that will walk in the fear of the Lord again and reverence him enough to stop playing games with him. He says, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Murmuring means to complain and to gossip and to backbite. And to be ungrateful and unthankful and to cause lies and slanders to arise. To not have control over your tongue and allow its wickedness to cause damage and division within the body. And bring reproach and shame upon God's name. They were murmurers and complainers. Which is an expression of a lack of faith and appreciation and contentment in the heart for what God has provided. Because what is in the heart will eventually come out of the mouth. And for this, God released the destroyer on them. Now it's important to realize that the destroyer is the exact same angel that was released over Egypt to destroy the firstborn of Egypt. Therefore did these people who Paul said were once saved and delivered from the judgment now face the same judgment that fell upon the unsaved in Egypt because that they had returned to the sins of Egypt and esteemed them greater than the provision and promise and faithfulness of God. My friend, Paul is trying to help these people to understand that to do these things is to walk in foolishness and not in wisdom. He says, now all of these things happened unto them for an example for us and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. 
Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed unless he falls. In other words, Paul is saying that if you think you can't lose your salvation, then it's almost most assuredly that you will. Because if you think that you cannot fall from grace, then you will fall from grace because you will not be humble enough to seek God's face for the way of escape. And you will not fear him enough to walk in the wisdom that will cause you to avoid every snare and temptation. Watch what he says next. Because remember that he's talking to a people who were believers. They were Christians. They had professed the name of Christ, been baptized, been saved from the enemy, but they had returned many of them back to their sins, but yet were still professing to be children of God. And so this is what he tells them using the Israelites who fell away as an example that God would not tolerate this. He says, there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. In other words, everybody faces the same temptation. Just like all the Israelites all had the same situation, trials and temptations, yet some fell and some didn't. And he was telling them that your temptation is no different than anybody else's. It's common to all men. So that you have no excuse to continue to walk in it when the testimony of Jesus Christ is proven through those who have overcome it. Because he says that these temptations are common to all men. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. But will with every temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. My friend, there is no temptation that is stronger than the blood of Jesus Christ. But we've got to first walk in the fear of the Lord to recognize that we can grieve him and his spirit can depart so that we will walk in the wisdom and the humility to seek him daily for the way of escape from every temptation that comes our way. And just like Jesus told his disciples, if you do not pray, you will stray. You will fall into temptation. Pray with me because the Lord will show you the way of escape. In my life, he has proven that if I spend my time in prayer seeking his face, more often than not, he will actually show me the snare and traps and temptations of the enemy before they even get to me so that I'll already be in position to walk around the pit and not fall in it. My friend, this is the importance of having daily communion and prayer with the Lord because it's in that place of prayer that we can draw from his wisdom because what we see is so limited, but what he knows and sees and understands is perfection and he can cause us to walk in that perfection when we will humble ourselves and seek his wisdom. Paul concludes this statement by saying, wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. In other words, anything that you put ahead of God, your time with him, your devotion to him, your communion with him, your drawing from that deep, deep well, your pulling from the root that you might produce those good fruits. He says anything that hinders that or gets in the way from it, flee from it. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. If you have wisdom, then you will take heed to the words that he was delivering. So we all need to move in wisdom daily. And let me explain something. There is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. There are many people that have a great deal of book knowledge, but no wisdom as to how to apply the knowledge that they have been given. 
We have to seek God for his wisdom because he sees the end from the beginning and is able to tell us how to apply the knowledge that we have been given. The Lord will reveal things to us that we can very quickly mess up if we don't seek his wisdom for how to apply the knowledge that he has given. And sometimes he lets us completely mess it up and run with the vision. Because you see, my friend, I've seen so many times that God deliver a true vision to a person. And so they have a knowledge, but they don't have the wisdom in how to apply that, that they might see the vision come to fruition. And so they just grab the vision and they run with it and they try to make it happen and they make a mess of it. And sometimes God's got to allow that to happen so that we can see the mess that we've made and begin to move in the fear of the Lord that we might begin to move in wisdom so we don't mess it up again. Because when we see what a mess we've made of things, it humbles us. My friend, I have a fear of messing things up and it drives me to my knees daily to seek the Lord because I don't want to see one moment wasted. I want to get to the promise as quickly as possible. Do you know that the Israelites when they left Egypt they could have made it to the promised land in only a few weeks time yet they wandered 40 years in the wilderness because they were not moving in wisdom they were moving in their own understanding and so they kept getting off track and I think we all do that in our lives but when we come to that place where we are willing to move in the fear of the Lord and be afraid to waste more time and souls and miss the destiny that he has for us, we will stop, humble ourselves, bend our knees, seek his face and begin to move in wisdom. There are several wisdom books in the Bible that specifically pours out words of wisdom. Proverbs, of course, being the first one that's going to come to most people's mind. Solomon was given great wisdom because when the Lord came to Solomon early on in his rule, he asked him, Solomon, what do you want? You can ask anything of me. So tell me, what is it that you most want? And Solomon replied, I want wisdom that I might rule your people rightly. You have given this people to me and I need to know how to apply the knowledge that you have released to me and how to walk in the office that you have commissioned me. Give me wisdom that I might rule your people rightly. And the Lord replied to him, because you have not asked for fame and for riches, but for wisdom to rule the people rightly, I will give you all of it. Yes, my friend, God has blessed many people throughout scripture with financial and material gain, but, but he always blesses most those who desire it least because those are the only ones who he can truly trust with it. And in here we see a contradiction to the false prosperity doctrine in that the only reason God blessed Solomon with material things is because he did not ask for it. He asked for the more important thing. He asked for wisdom, which wisdom is encompassed in the very character and being of God. So in essence, he was asking for God. He was asking for the Holy Spirit to come and lead him and guide him in how to minister to the congregation rightly. Now we understand that in later years Solomon did as the Israelites did. He strayed. He became prideful. He began to not fear the Lord anymore and therefore was not moving in wisdom and started to lose the kingdom. My friend, we have got to learn how to maintain a reverence for the Lord that we not move into arrogance and think that we know more. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 10 says this, 
the Holy Spirit of the living God speaking through Solomon as he pins these words of wisdom. It says, receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. The Holy Spirit was expressing that you don't need the finances. What you need is the instruction of the Lord because God will instruct you in how to bring things about perfectly and purely. And it is more important than silver and gold. And I think this is a major issue in the church today is that we bypass seeking the Lord for his instruction and leading and his great revelation and instead move to fundraising so that we can buy what seems like the presence, but it's not. The Church of America is the richest church in the world financially, but the poorest spiritually. Because that they have learned to depend on mammon and not on manna from heaven. He said, for wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. So my friend, before you pray for blessings, for prosperity, for riches, for materialism, for ministries, for giftings, for anything... We ought pray for wisdom so that when the Lord does bless us and use us, we will not misuse or lose what he has given us by moving in foolishness. Because according to scripture, there is nothing that can be compared to wisdom. It continues to say the fear of the Lord, which of course we understood in a different proverb said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom. Therefore, to have wisdom, we actually first must cultivate this fear of the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. So let me explain this. The Holy Spirit is saying here that God hates these things. He hates evil. He hates pride. He hates arrogancy. He hates the evil way. And he hates the forward, the perverse, the lying, the gossiping, the slandering mouth. If we come to understand that the Lord hates these things, then we should have a fear of falling into those things. Because I know I sure don't want to be found guilty of the things that God says he hates. God is love, mercy, and compassion. That's why he gives us an opportunity today to turn away from the things that he has clearly stated that he hates. And we need to have a reverence and a fear of him and his righteous judgment enough to turn away from these things, to humble ourselves and seek his face, obey his ways and start to walk in wisdom. The Holy Spirit continues to speak and says, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and priests decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. If we will humble ourselves and seek him and pray, he will give us the way of escape. He will give us his wisdom. He is counsel. He is wisdom. He is understanding. And if we want to have it, we've got to humble ourselves and seek him for it. Because when we walk in our own understandings, we will walk right out of right standing with him and into unrighteousness where no protection, provision, or anointing is. But the Lord God Almighty, he offers his great wisdom when we humble ourselves to it and seek him. He said, I love them that love me and those that seek me early. 
will find me. He will pour it on you. Those who come to him first, that seek me early. We we get the image of getting up early in the morning and seeking the Lord. And while that does apply, for me, it stirs up those who love him enough to seek him before they fall into temptation, before they've made a mess. Because we've all experienced those times where we ran out of our own leading and our own logic and our own pride and arrogance, thinking that we knew how to make something happen, how we could achieve the vision. And we made a mess of things. And then we ran in and cried for him to clean it up. But he says that he loves those who seek him early. Those who come to him first and say, Lord, show me. I want to walk around the pitfall and the snare. I don't want to fall in it and then start crying for you to get me out of it. He says, riches and honor are with me. Yea, durable riches and righteousness. Riches that will last. The Bible says, don't store up for yourself treasures and riches in this world where they will be stolen and destroyed and rust away. They are temporary, but he says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where they are eternal and they are enduring and lasting. My friend, I would rather humble myself now and have riches forever than to walk in pride now and be bankrupt forever. We've got to start living eternally minded, making decisions now for a better forever. He said, true riches and righteousness come from me. My fruit is better than gold. Yea, than fine gold. My fruit, what are the fruits? We've been talking about this. It is the very character of God. Remember that Solomon had the opportunity to ask for fame and attention and riches, but he didn't. He asked for God's wisdom and God is speaking through him saying that my character is better than the finest of goals. It's more valuable to your soul and to the souls of those who are under you, around you and about you. He said, my fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness and in the midst of the paths of judgment that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasuries. He will give you things of substance. It's time for a generation to rise up that walks in substance. There's so many empty sermons. There's so many empty services where people come in and they get a little chill, but they don't get any substance. They don't get anything that fills their soul. They get a little treat, a little spiritual sugar that gives them a high in the moment, but they leave hungrier than they came. But God wants a people that will seek his face, get his wisdom that they can release it to the generation, that they might have some substance to them and that they might be able to change things because he wants to produce good fruits in them and righteousness amongst his people again. God is going to raise up some true evangelism in these last days because though there is nothing wrong with the big stage, we love when God brings in multitudes, but true evangelism in the truest sense from the beginning were those in the local church going out into the streets and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good fruits, the character, the love, the compassion, the moving in wisdom and not impulse moving by the anointing and not by performance. You see, the very first evangelist, in fact, the only evangelist that is actually mentioned in the scripture 
was Philip, and he was a regular church member, and there was a need in the community that the pastors and the apostles could not meet because that they had to spend their time in prayer continually seeking the Lord for the word. And so they appointed those among the church who had the fruits of the Spirit, good character and were of good report, and they sent them out to tend to the widow and the orphan and the homeless and to do that evangelism work in the streets. And that's what is mostly needed, not the big stages, but those who are willing to serve the least of these and bring the gospel to where it's most needed. But because this is lacking in the church and there's such a scarcity of the anointing because that the people have strayed away from moving in the true character of God so that he cannot endorse them with the anointing. The anointing is missing, therefore the people are missing so that there is no true street and community witnessing. So we have to replace it with counterfeit manifestations and big stages and lights and smoke and mirrors and performances and entertainments. We got to bring them all into the show because that there's no one willing to humble themselves, seek God's face, move in his wisdom, power and grace and go out to the highways and the byways, the streets, the ghettos, the slums to go show God's love to the single mother to see the power of God fall on the street corner, to see hands being laid on the sick and them healed at the hospital or the nursing home. My friend, things are going to change in these last days. And the true evangelist and evangelism will be those who have believed on his name, read his word, and stopped trying to explain it away, but just chosen to believe it, to seek his face and pray, move in his wisdom to go where he tells them to and do what he says to do. And they will see his power flow through them to touch the lives around them. And this will bring the true harvest in. The entertainment won't do it. The performances won't do it. The show won't do it. I tell you again that the Church of America has more money and programs and props than any other church in the world, yet it is the most spiritually destitute because it's learned to depend on the counterfeit instead of getting on their knees and seeking the Lord God Almighty for His wisdom that we might move with His movement to do His work with purity and righteousness. Paul tells us in another chapter in 1 Corinthians, again, talking to this church at Corinth, that the fruits of the Spirit or having the character of God are more important than having the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then he continues to say how it's more important than even the works. Yet we see here in Proverbs that the Holy Spirit, speaking through Solomon, says that it's better than earthly blessings because they bring eternal ones and that it gives you the character that God can trust with his gifts gifts, with his works, and with his physical blessings. God wants to bless his children and his people that they would go out and do the work of the kingdom. God wants to pour out the gifts of the spirit that he might be glorified through it. God wants us moving in good works. He says that he wants a peculiar people zealous of good works. These are his end game results that he desires, but he cannot do it on you if you're not producing the fruits that will rightly represent him through you. It is so important, my friend. And this is what this generation needs to bring back to the forefront again, because it will change everything.
Yet can we do nothing if we continually fall away to sin and temptation because that we are not walking in wisdom because that there is no more fear of the Lord. My friend, I plead with you that today you ask him to cultivate this in your heart because if we are not willing to do it individually, it will happen corporately through catastrophe. That has been the case throughout all of history, that when people do not reverence the Lord God Almighty, he turns them over to their enemy. And they begin to see the consequences of walking in their own righteousness and understanding. That they are not wise enough to outsmart the enemy who was the wisest of all God's creations. We are part of creation. Therefore, the devil is smarter than you. You cannot hope to outsmart him. Therefore, do you need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and seek his wisdom because only his wisdom is greater than the enemy's wisdom. God will cause you to walk in perfect wisdom and righteousness if you will humble daily. Seek his faith and fear falling from grace enough to let it drive you to that place where you stop trusting in yourself and start trusting in he who is wisdom. It all begins with the fear of the Lord. Many of us got saved because that we had a revelation of the destination and realized that we were guilty, wretched sinners that were headed for hell and the fear of hell drove us to repentance. It caused us to move in wisdom, but it doesn't end there because what begins in fear is perfected in love because fear will get you to the altar, but only love will keep you there. Once we come to that place of salvation, we begin to realize how much he did for us to save us from this damnation that we had brought upon ourselves, that he truly loves us. And it is coming to the revelation of his great love for us that will keep us coming back to him again and again and again. What begins in fear is perfected in love. We understand that, but there needs to be a first step. So sometimes God's just got to shake us to wake us up. And sometimes we've got to be willing to do that for others. Also, the Bible says some say with compassion because they are humble and meek and mild and need encouragement. And that's all that it's going to take to get them to break. But some say with fear, saving them out of the very fire, hating the garment spotted with the flesh. Sometimes you got to shake people and wake them up so that the fear of the Lord comes upon them and they see that they are about to fall in the fire. My friend, if you see a child running headlong into open traffic, you're not going to say, oh, sweetheart, don't do that. Come back this way. You are going to run with everything that is within you, screaming and shouting and making a fool of yourself and throw yourself in front of that child to keep them from hurting themselves. And sometimes we've got to do that in evangelism because the situation is just that dire. But we'll never know how dire the situation is unless we are willing to humble ourselves, seek the Lord, get a word from heaven so that we can walk in his wisdom because he knows the end from the beginning. I want to show you a little bit something more about the character of God. We've been talking a lot lately about getting to understand the character of God because these are the things that we need to pray be manifested through us each and every day so that the world can see our king. So that we can be the light that is still shining. So we can represent the kingdom that they might be able to say, yes, the kingdom of heaven is here. Now moving through the new temples, the very people of the living God. Because that if his spirit is within us, his character will manifest through us. 
in the book of Revelations, we read something very interesting. Chapter one, verse four, it says, John writes to the seven churches, which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him, which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits, which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want you to recognize something here. He talks first about he who was and is and is to come. That is God. He is eternal. He always was and he always will be. And he talks about Jesus Christ who washed us and saved us. But in between the two, he mentions these seven spirits that stand before the throne of God. So we say, what is that? Who is that? Why are there seven spirits? Well, I can assure you, my friend, that it is the Holy Spirit, that there are seven characteristics that are encompassed within the characteristics of the Holy Spirit himself. And these are all things that are very important for us to seek and to let lead us. Because remember that God said that only those who are led by my spirit are the sons and daughters of God. So these seven spirits or seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit are the things that we need to allow to lead us daily that we might be counted true sons and daughters of the living God that we might walk in the kingship and priesthood afforded us by the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ watch me prove this to you we all remember the scene when Jesus came to be baptized at the Jordan by John the Baptist and he comes in and of course the prophecy had been given to John the Baptist that he upon whom the, the spirit rests and stays he will be the Messiah, the lamb who comes to take away the sins of the world. And so when Jesus comes and he is baptized, it says that the Holy Spirit of God descended, came down like a dove and rested upon him and it stayed upon him. And by this did John know that this was the Messiah. Having this eyewitness account from those who saw the physical external manifestation of what took place that day, we get the eyewitness account. We get the way it would look to the human eye. But when we go back to the Old Testament, we see the prophecy of it. When God himself described what was coming, what would happen, do we see what truly happened through God's eyes? And for that, we have to go to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And it says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his root, which we understand is Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This was at his baptism. This is what happened that day seen through the eyes of God. So I want you to count this out. The first thing that it identifies is the spirit of the Lord. It rested upon him. The spirit of wisdom, two, and of understanding, three, the spirit of counsel, four, and might, five, the spirit of knowledge, six, and the fear of the Lord, seven. When the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus at his baptism that day, the prophet Isaiah said that these seven spirits rested upon him because they are all encompassed within the Holy Spirit of God. And if we are truly led of the Holy Spirit of God, then we need to allow ourselves to be led 
by the Spirit of the Lord, by God's wisdom, submit it to His understanding, walking in His counsel, through the power of His might, trusting in His knowledge, and having a fear of the Lord God Almighty. Remember that Paul said that God is both love and severity. To those who are grafted in, he is love. But to those who are cut off because that they refuse to abide and draw from that root and trust in what he has to provide, then he is severity. We have to walk in the fear of the Lord, but we also have to have it balanced by understanding the compassion of the Lord, that he is good to those who trust him and are in him. But to those who begin to move in pride and arrogance and sin and surrender themselves to temptation because that they would not humble themselves and pray to seek the way of escape. There is consequences. There is severity. And understanding both sides of this will keep us in right standing, moving in the balance where God is. It says that these seven spirits will rest upon him and will make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. In other words, he's not going to do what he thinks is right because that he is moving in the fear of the Lord. It will cause him to act in wisdom. This is where most people get off track in ministry. They begin to do what they think feel is right. They begin to move in their emotions. They begin to make decisions and judgments and even prophesy out of what they think is right or out of what they want to be right, but not out of seeking God for what he says is right. Not having a fear of the Lord that you might speak something forth that misrepresents him, that you might do something that brings people out of agreement or alignment with him. When you truly have a fear of the Lord, it will cause you to walk in righteousness judgment which is wisdom he will make him of quick understanding in the fear of the lord so that he shall not judge after his own sight neither reprove which is to correct people after himself but with righteousness what god says is right shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. In other words, he will not be a respecter of persons. He will not move with partiality. But because he fears the Lord, he will do what is right. He will move with equity, with equality. He will judge according to works and truth, not according to the moving of his emotions. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. Shall he destroy the wicked? This, my friend, is the power of the Holy Spirit moving through someone who has submitted themselves unto the fear and reverence of the Lord God Almighty, that they might do what is right in God's eyes and not what is right in their own heart. Because the Bible says that our heart is deceitful and wicked and no man can know it or trust it. We have to learn, discern between what is the leading of our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions? And what is the leading of the spirit? And the word of God is what does that. And seeking him and praying daily that he might tell us what to say and what to do. And then only moving on what he provides. Because that is where wisdom lies. Even when God gives us a knowledge, we still have to seek him for how to apply that knowledge. A great example of this, I believe, 
is demonstrated in Nathan the prophet. Though God had given him a word of knowledge, he knew that David had sinned. Yet did he still have to seek God for wisdom in when, where, and how to deliver it so that it would be received and effective that would lead David to repentance? My friend, we need to start seeking the Lord daily for wisdom and being led of the Spirit spirit in these seven areas that we need to have a fear of the Lord. We need to trust in his counsel more than we do in our friends counsel and in the counsel of men and social media and books, but to be led by his leading to trust in his wisdom. Now I want to bring this thing full circle because we see in Isaiah where God prophetically proclaimed that these seven spirits would rest upon the Messiah. And yet we understand in the New Testament that it says it was the Holy Spirit that rested upon Jesus. So we can understand what the Holy Spirit was speaking through Solomon back in Proverbs when we read earlier when he said that I am counsel, I am sound wisdom, I am understanding, I am strength. And the fear of the Lord is to despise the things that God despises and to love the things that God loves. To turn away from evil and pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the mouth that does wicked things. This is part of the function of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the fruits which are the character. These are part of the functions of the Holy Spirit. These are the things that he seeks to lead us in if we will humble ourselves to it. So today we pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to this revelation, that we might begin to move in wisdom, Lord, that where we have lacked to fear you, Lord, that where we have moved in pride and arrogance and thought that we could do what you could do and thought that we could trust in the leading of our own understanding and not humbled ourselves unto the mighty hand of God, Lord, that we repent of that. Lord, that we would seek you before we act, that we would seek you before we speak, that we would get down on our knees and say, Lord, reveal to me your heart in this situation. I need wisdom today. God, we thank you for your might and your power. We thank you for your knowledge and your words, but none of it does us any good if we do not seek you for wisdom and how to apply it. Lord, we thank you for the ministries and the visions that you've given us, the callings that you've placed on our life. But today we cry out for wisdom on how to rightly walk in them. God, we thank you for the families that you've given us, the friends and the people that you've put in our lives. But today we ask you for wisdom them, how to rightly lead them and instruct them and minister to them. God, we thank you for the giftings that you have given to many of us and for the works that you've put us to. But God, today we pray for wisdom that we might rightly represent you in the way that we move in them. God, that it would all reflect glory upon the Father and the name and the deity and the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We humble ourselves to you today and say, Lord God Almighty, we pray, give us wisdom. And Lord, we know that this is not an instant importation, but this is a daily meditation. So I pray that you remind us every day to seek your face, to see what it is that you have to say about every situation. And Lord, when we don't, 
we make a mess of things. And I pray that in these seasons, we would learn the lesson that we might fear making those mistakes again, that we would move in wisdom. In this, do we understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Because we will not begin to move in wisdom until we begin to fear the consequences of the mistakes of moving in our own understanding. Lord, we want to walk in righteousness. We want to be that example to the nation and the generation. We want to be those humble people who represent you right. We want to be that people that moves in power and authority because that you can trust us with the greater things of your kingdom. God, we thank you that you have made it available that the kingdom of heaven is here now willing to be poured into each of us that it might be poured out through each of us if we will allow your spirit to lead us and we will not allow your spirit to lead us and accept that it begin with a fear of the Lord, a reverence because unless we fear grieving your spirit, we will not follow the leading of of your spirit. If we truly love you, then we will not want to hurt you. And in this do we see that what begins in fear will end in love because while we may start with fear, we will begin to obey and seek you just out of love because we want to be near you. We want the communion and your word says that if we love you, we will keep your commandments because though fear may drive us to humble ourselves and seek your face, it's in that place that we begin to see your wisdom and that it is good for us and that everything that you do has purpose, not to control or to condemn, but to convict and to correct that you might produce those peaceable fruits of righteousness in us that you might use us for the greater things to get us to the promise and the destination and the plans that you have for us and it will make us love you that you did not give up on us but that you were willing to be a good father because good fathers correct their children they're not willing to let them go and destroy the good things that you have planned for them to run away from the destiny to run away from eternity a good father fights for his children by correcting them correct our path today and cause us to see your mighty hand at work in it and how good you are for doing it help us to see the generational consequences of trusting in the leading of our emotions and our flesh and how destructive it is that by fear we will start to reject the leading of the flesh and by wisdom start to obey the leading of your spirit. Lord, help us to recognize these seven ways that your Holy Spirit tries to direct us every day that we might humble to it. That it begins with fear, but it ends with power because that it produces righteousness and the fervent prayers of a righteous man avail much. Lord, this generation needs Elijah's. But in order to get there, we've got to lay down the pride and the things we think we know and how we think that things should go and seek your face in fear and trembling for your great wisdom. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.